Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. On today's show, which I'm going to consider an introductory show, I'm going to introduce two guest hosts. And these guest hosts are going to produce some shows for us and take the workload off of Mike and I as we uh, continue to publish these shows on a daily basis. I want to introduce Mallory Murphy and Katie Burke. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Hey, Chris. All right. Now, Mallory, we'll start out with you, Mallory. Mallory is the Ducks Unlimited social media specialist here at National Headquarters. And she handles all of everything that you guys see out there on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. But Mallory, Kind of tell us a little bit about your day in, day out of Ducks Unlimited. Do you want the long version or the short version? Let's go with the long version. All right, the long version. I see every single thing that y'all comment on every single one of our posts. I stare at thousands of photos a week. I uh, collaborate with Chris Jennings. I collaborate pretty much with all of our departments here at National Headquarters. I'm probably one of the one people in the office who should not know a lot of the things that I know. Well, that's going to be handy for the podcast when you start hosting these shows, because we're going to need all of the know. Now, Katie, Katie Burke is the manager of the Waterfowling Heritage Center. She's basically the curator. Everyone refers to you as the curator of the Waterfowl Heritage Center. And for people who don't know, the Waterfowling Heritage Center is inside the Bass Pro Pyramid, downtown Memphis. And it's 6,000 square feet of space that Bass Pro was kind enough to give us as the history of waterfowling and the history of DU. Um, Katie, can you go ahead and explain basically what you do, but also let's get into a little bit about what the Waterfowling Heritage Center is. All right. So what I do, which is probably one of the most like frequent questions that I get, because no one really knows what a curator is. <laughs> um, so what I do basically is when you're in the museum and you see all the objects that are there, I am the caretaker of that collection. So my day in and day out is just recording everything, doing condition reports for everything, and just making sure it's just like temperature control, just making sure everything is well taken care of. Um, I also design and install all the exhibits that are on display. Most of what we have at the museum, I'd say 60%, 60 to 70% is on loan from private collectors. So part of my job is also developing those relationships with collectors um, so I can get these new displays on. And I change things out probably three or four exhibits a year. Oh, wow. And that's probably as often as you possibly can with some of those awesome exhibits that you have in there. Um, just to give everyone a little heads up, what's your favorite exhibit inside the museum? Currently right now, we have a really interesting um, exhibit that not necessarily is the biggest high dollar exhibit, but it's just a really cool, unusual exhibit. And it's on loan from a former Ducks Unlimited volunteer and board member Jeff Turan out of Missouri, and it's all tip-up decoys. Oh, cool. It's a really neat display. Um, it shows from really early, probably a famous, like, hand car from Ira Hudson, all the way to, like, newer factory tip-ups. And they're really, it's just a really neat display and how it's, it took us like almost two years actually to get that in here because they were so difficult to display. I'll it bet. took us about two years to figure out how to get them mounted and in the, in the case. Yeah. And I just want to go, I just want to let everyone know that there was a period of time where 
um, Katie was switching out her call collection out of the museum and they had the, some basically some holes to fill and they came and took the duck calls out of my office because I have this kind of shoddy <laughs> collection of Ducks Unlimited random calls that I've picked up over the mm-hmm. years and now it's like 300 calls but my actual duck calls were in there one time when I walked in and I was like oh this is awesome so now I can be on the list of people who have loaned my priceless waterfowling the collection of Christian that's right and that that's, is a fact yes I will say one thing my only complaint that was there wasn't a sign thanking me because there are for some well, of the other well that's what ones. happens when you're a DU employee that's right that's fine I was just proud to see my calls in there it's pretty cool there were some really, really high-end decoys in there. And there are also the guns. Um, that's probably one of the most popular uh, features in there. Kind of explain some of those. So we've had quite a few different high-end exhibits. Um, the most notable one was the with the original display that we put in starting in 2015 when we opened was a collection from Paul Tudor Jones. Uh, Paul Tudor Jones is a Tennessean. A Memphian, um, and he made most of his money on the stock market. Um, so he has one of probably top three decoy collections in the world, oh, high wow. dollar decoy. So we had that for a brief period of time, about a year. And then since then, we've had a few other notable collections. Um, Jim Goodman from the Iowa area had a Mason, Dodge, and Peterson collection, which is all factory Detroit ones, which was a really cool collection. Um, There are a lot of Mason enthusiasts out there. And then we recently gave back a North Carolina exhibit decoy collection, which had some really cool um, high dollar decoys from there. Now, guns are a different thing. Um, Gun collections are harder to find. Um, People are much more private about them for security reasons and things like that. So we've probably had two collections since opening. Um, one was by, um, we also had his call collection was Howard Harlan. And he actually has since deaccessioned his gun collection. So he has mostly been sold mm-hmm. and separated. And then uh, currently right now I have a collection from Jim Marsh, which is from, he's from the uh, Detroit area. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he's got a huge, like probably one of the most popular things in there is a custom punt gun that he has. Yeah. Yeah. It's really neat. Yeah. I think everybody talks about the punt gun and kind of the story of the, the, the history of the punt gun. It's just a cool story all around. So, um, so Katie, tell us exactly how you became the curator or the manager, I guess I should say, of the Waterfowling Heritage Center. Well, like Mallory, I'll go, I guess, the long version. So I grew up in Tallahatchie County in Charleston, Mississippi, um, in a duck hunting family, in a Ducks Unlimited family. Uh, my father uh, has been a volunteer for Ducks Unlimited mm, as long as I can remember uh, my entire life. And I've been hunting since I was a little girl. And I grew up in the duck blind with him and grew up going to local district events, state events, uh, national convention, um, my entire life. I can't really remember a time when duck hunting and ducks limited hasn't been a part of my life. So with that background, I eventually, you know, got my own interest and was interested in art. And to my father's dismay, I went and got a fine arts degree and an art history degree at Ole Miss and um, not that career he was looking for. And then from there I got, while I was at Ole Miss, I got interested, I got an internship here in Memphis and then at the University Museum and got interested in museums. I didn't know you could work in museums, honestly. I didn't know there was (laughs) jobs for that. So once I found that, I knew that's what I wanted to do. That was perfect for me. 
I love old objects and the story that they can tell and the bringing access to people from small towns and places like that that just don't get that access. So um, I just really was passionate about that. So I went and I went to grad school in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the University of the Arts um, and followed that path for a while, worked at a few museums there. And probably about three years before the museum opened, um, I was already, by being in Ducks Unlimited and in that family as a volunteer. So I got a call from Dan Thiel, our executive secretary, and he told me that they were planning to put a museum in the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid here in Memphis. And he didn't know any other museum people. He was the only museum person he knew. So he asked if, when I was coming home to come hunting again, and I told him, and he was like, well, I'm going to be there, and I want you to look at these blueprints and see if you can poke holes in it and kind of look at the museum side of it. So I did, and I marked it all up, and, you know, they had like a real fireplace in there to begin with. And I was like, no one's going to lend you anything with that in there. So that's kind of like my first touch of the museum. And then from there, I didn't know what they were going to do hiring-wise, but I just kept sending my resume in like every six months, like, just so you know, I exist, and I'm here, and if you want to hire me, just give me a call. And... Three years later, I got a call from David Hagel, the general manager at the Pyramid, and asked me if I wanted to interview, and I was 100% yes. Now, your position is with Ducks Unlimited, though, correct? It is, but it actually originally started as a position with Bass Pro, um, and that lasted for about seven months, and it just it just didn't work out because there wasn't a position within Bass Pro that really um, supported it. So it just made more sense for me to switch over into Ducks Limited where that was a little more flexible. Um, so I am with Ducks Limited and my staff is all with Ducks Unlimited. Okay. And we have probably a staff of about five yeah. at the museum. No, that's awesome. And, and how do people, you know, what are people going to, you know, just kind of a broad overview of, of what's in the museum and and how can people even learn more about it? Yeah, so it's 4,600 square feet. Uh, it's all donated to Ducks Limited by Johnny Morse. Um, and we kind of not only talk about waterfowling heritage and history, but we also talk about the work Ducks Limited is doing in the field as well. We have conservation and then Ducks Limited's history too. Because Ducks Limited is 84 years old and we have a rich history ourselves. So that is always constantly there. And then the more... Waterfowling history, like general history and heritage, I change out regularly. So right now you would find a Arkansas duck call collection, um, the tip-up decoy collection, um, also a decorative palm frond collection um, that I just put in, and then some a, a big boar gun collection, um, and then the DU history and some more general history, which has some cool stuff in it as well. And then the con- conservation side, as well as a prairie experience, which is a big di- interactive diorama that we recently built. As far as people wanting to visit the museum, currently right now we have reduced hours at the museum. So it's 10, t- 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., seven days a week. Um, we are at the Bass Pro Pyramid, downtown Memphis. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go to ducks.org. No, that's cool. And, um, you know, one thing that I always point out to people and that people are always so amazed about when they walk in there is the quality of the taxidermy. And I know that's probably not, you know, right up your alley as a curator of fine arts. Um, but the taxidermy, man, it is oh, really cool in there. Oh, no, it's, it's probably one of the most like I get a lot of questions about who did the taxidermy. And 
it's amazing. He's one of the top five uh, taxidermists in the country, and it's all by um, Shane Smith out of North Alabama, and it's phenomenal. That was actually my very first day on the job. We installed that taxidermy, and when we were installing the taxidermy, like we were going to install, we're taking off the truck, and we walk up there, and all of a sudden, because they were still doing construction in the pyramid, they started jackhammering up a whole section like 10 feet away dust going everywhere and we were just freaking out we had like 10 off the whole museum to hang that stuff it was oh, crazy wow. yeah i'm sure as that construction went on you, you probably talk for hours just yeah. about you know the wild wild ways that you navigated that with some of the museum stuff with the oh, yeah. as all the construction was going on well, let's switch gears and let's talk mallory give us a little bit of background of how you came to ducks unlimited and you know even your background in hunting my background's a little bit different than katie's i we grew up in the same community, same town, but my family wasn't intertwined with Ducks Unlimited. Um, I come from a farming family, so I have more of an agricultural background, but I did grow up hunting. My grandfather did outfitting, so we rid out some of our land to duck hunters. So it, it's always been in my family, but since we rented out our land to duck hunters, I became obs- freakishly obsessed with deer hunting. That is my forte. And you still are. <laughs> I still am. Uh, yeah, Told my boss last week I'm taking full advantage of COVID, and um, I'll be deer hunting every morning before work. So get <laughs> well, ready for that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you'll be you'll be back in the office before it's even eight o'clock. You'll be fine. It's kind of corny, but I love dirt. Is my favorite thing to say, and I think just having a love for the land and understanding of the land and makes perfect sense to have somebody like that work for Ducks Unlimited because we are foremost a wetlands conservation organization, but. Having that background and just loving dirt, everything it provides for us, it's awesome. And I knew I wanted to do that with my career. So I went to Ole Miss, decided to get a degree in journalism. I was like, yeah, I might want to do history, but I don't want to be a teacher. So I said, well, I'll just do journalism where I can write about the stuff I like. So I decided that I wanted to do magazines. I was like, well, that's shorter writing. I don't have to worry about writing books. I don't have to do anything else. So I'll specialize in magazine service. Hit a little bit of everything, a little bit of graphic design, get to do the cool writings, get to do the photos. I was like, okay, well, I'll do magazines. So my senior year, our total project was to build a magazine. So I was like, okay, I was pretty much the only girl in class coming with Ducks Unlimited magazines in her backpacks all the time. And I told my professor that I wanted to have a hunting magazine. So I made a little hunting magazine and a few years went by after I graduated and I was just snooping around online. And I also heard someone say, hey, check out Ducks Unlimited. Um, They have a position open as a associate digital media editor for the magazine. I was like, my jaw dropped. I like freaked out. (laughs) So I I pretty much filled out that application all night long and got scrambled all my stuff together. I emailed it in. And a few weeks later, I heard back from them. I was like, this is awesome. And then I luckily got an interview and I went to talk to Matt Young, the editorial director, and we ended up going through the exact same magazine program. We had the exact same professor, Dr. Husney. So that, that was pretty cool. And I actually talked to you, Chris, during the interview and I got to go around and meet the whole magazine staff and I left. I was like, I botched that. There's no way I'm getting the job. So I literally t- said in my interview, I said, I'm not the most qualified. I don't have a good background because I just graduated from college. And, but you won't find any more as passionate as I am about hunting and conservation and all that. So I guess I smoothed my way into the job. I don't know, but that's how, how I ended up with it. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. And now, you know, now you're handling all the social media, the vast 
the, just the numbers of social media posts that are going out there. And I'm sure a yeah. lot of our listeners are aware of, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, but, you know, that, that journalism degree is paying off in a sense that there's not very many errors in the copy of that. I bet. No, uh, Ducks Unlimited sets a standard pretty much. You do not have a comma out of place. <laughs> so we, we really pride ourselves and we have a wonderful editorial team, top, top notch uh, magazine staff in the country. And they are really proud of that. So we try to hold our social media to that standard. Uh, the magazine is the flagship. So social media is just we're unwrapping it and taking the bow off, stripping it down a little bit and having fun with it. So that's what we try to do. As we introduce you guys to our podcast audience, there's one thing that I want everyone to know is that uh, Mallory and Katie are both from the same area in North Mississippi. And so Mallory kind of explain that and in, in how you guys have really grown up knowing each other. Well, it is actually a really funny story. I'm a few years younger than Katie and I ended up marrying her best friend. Yeah. Male. Um, <laughs> from Charleston, Mississippi. From Charleston, correct? Mississippi. Okay. Charleston, Just to Mississippi. let everyone know. Yeah. Okay. And that's it's I don't know. How do you explain somebody that you know somebody your whole pretty much your whole life? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, my first memories, I don't know what your first memories of me are, but my first memories of Mallory are, so I grew up with her husband, Lex, and uh, we were best friends, him and a few other guys had, we, she started dating her and she was like six or seven years younger. I was and we were, we dating. just gave him so much hell for it. Cause we <laughs> thought he was like, he was so young. Like, why are you dating this high school girl? <laughs> I was a sophomore in college. <laughs> well, we we joked and told Junior him you, you were in high school because yeah. that was funnier. But <laughs> um, it went on forever. And lo and behold, y'all ended up getting married. So that was a really funny way it worked how out. I got to know you. It worked out a little bit. No, that's cool. And I, I know that you guys, what's interesting is you both had different paths here to Ducks Unlimited. It was completely unrelated. I remember when, because um, you had already started, right, Mallory? Yeah. And then they had hired Katie and you're like, oh. No opposite. no, opposite. Oh, okay. That, that's right. Opposite. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm still mad at her for not telling me she even applied to the job. Yes. I was sitting at my desk here and Matt came up to me and was like, hey, do you know this Mallory Murphy? And it took me a minute because I know her maiden name. And he was like, from Charleston. I was like, oh, yeah, I like her. And so I said. <laughs> not going to tell the whole story that I've known her forever. Yeah. <laughs> Her dad was so mad when I when he found out that I got the job here because her dad is was one of our senior volunteers and he was so mad. But I, w I didn't want to name drop. You don't want no one ever wants to name drop to get a job. You, you want to get a job because you feel like you're qualified. That's right. And, you know, you're right. qualified. So I did not want to name drop. And Katie's dad still gives me help for that. Yeah, so I'm still upset. about Now, that. when you got now that you guys have come together as a team for the DU podcast, um, you know, we can label all of those shows coming to you live from Charleston, Mississippi, um, although we are in the studio in Memphis here. But, you know, let's kind of discuss what you two are going to be bringing to the podcast. I know um, we've got some shows coming up and then some other things that maybe, you know, mm -hmm. just let everyone know exactly what kind of shows you guys are going to be hosting. I'm a really big fan of history and I'm a really big fan of waterfowling heritage and anything to do with that. And Katie runs the Heritage Center. So <laughs> we all collaborated and was like, 
y'all two nerds get together and we can talk about history stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. People love that though. I mean, you know, I know people all over the country who, you know, absolutely love decoys and old calls and old guns and even, you know, old jackets, you know, some of the old like ducks back jackets from like the thirties and forties are really cool. But, um, what kind of specific shows are you guys going to be interviewing decoy? Maybe you can drop a couple names of the people that you guys are going to bring on. So when we started like thinking about this, Mm -hmm. the DU world is such a family, right? Well, this collecting world is the same way. It's a family and all these people, um, interact and they have great stories. So I mentioned to Mally, like we should talk to these people. They would, their stories are super interesting. They're really passionate about what they do. So it'd be really cool to have them on. So a few of those people, um, I mentioned earlier um, the Carolina display we had. We had Kragi Andresen and Robbie Smith from uh, Charlotte area. They came on and did a show. We also, in the museum right now, we have an Arkansas Duck Call collection, and that's owned by Mike Lewis. So he came on the show, and he talked about his collection that's there and um, his life collecting. And then we've had—we talked to John Dieter of Guy and Dieter today, uh, Auction House. We've talked to— Colin McNair, who x-rays decoys. That's a really fun episode. Yeah, that'll yeah. be cool. Yeah, and Marty Hansen, um, who's a contemporary carver. So Okay, yeah. cool. So you're going to have actual, you know, people who are still actively yes. carving, too. Yeah. Very so cool. So the whole yeah. gambit of, like, that whole culture that goes around, mm-hmm. you know, the her- waterfowling heritage. Awesome. Well, I'm sure everyone's going to be looking forward to that and, you know, probably— getting some more like even duck call information and things mm-hmm. like that out there. And just, you know, what's really neat is the history of waterfowling. And I think this, this, the pairing of you two, you know, coming up from Charleston, Mississippi to bring mm-hmm. to the DU podcast, uh, the history of waterfowling. Um, I think that'll make for some really interesting shows. And, and uh, thanks for coming on today. And, and I hope that our audience is prepared for your exciting shows that are coming up. Mallory, maybe we'll be as famous as Morgan Freeman. Fellow Charlestonian. Yeah, fellow Charlestonian. Maybe you can get him on the podcast. We'll work on it. (laughs) We'll try. (laughs) I'd like to thank my guests today, Mallory Murphy and Katie Burke, who will soon be hosting the DU podcast along with myself and Dr. Mike Brazier. I'd like to thank our producer, Clay Baird, for putting out an awesome podcast and now having to deal with four people. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU podcast and supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks.